Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. It's been my privilege and honor to have uh, Brother Noyola and Brother Omar uh, be ministering the Word for the past, I believe, five weeks. So would you thank God for them as well? They have done a fantastic job, I, and, and, and I say that, I mean that 100%. They have done an absolutely fantastic job over the past five weeks. I pray that you, church, are better equipped, and you have discovered your place in the body of Christ. Amen? I pray that after you know, this whole teaching in this series was to, was to lead us to understand and discover our God-given gifts. Amen? It was to help us understand who we are in Christ and, and what Christ has, has afforded us, the gifts that He has given us, the Holy Spirit has given us, the gifts that the Father has given us, so that we understand that in the kingdom of God, we all have a place. Amen? In the kingdom of God, we are all members of the body of Christ. Amen. We are all, the Bible says that he is head, but we, we, are, we are all parts of the body. We make up the body of Christ. And so uh, I was encouraged because I did get a couple phone calls this past week and people said, Pastor, what can I do? How can I step up to serve in the ministry? And that was awesome. I was like, yes, 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 yes. Because that's people saying, hey, listen, I have a role here. Amen. I have a place here. I have a role in this body. And I want to encourage you tonight. Listen, it doesn't matter if, if you know, you're not doing anything now. Just understand that you have a role here. And that role is important. Because the Bible says that as we use our gifts, as we are ministering to one another with our gifts, we are edifying each other. And I'll read about this in just a second. But we are actually equipping each other. The gift that you have in your life, I need in my life. And the gifts that I have in my life, you need in your life. I've explained it like this in the past, and, and it just kind of helps me to understand it. But, but how many of you, you know, have keys? You know, hopefully, I'm sure you have keys nowadays, right? You have keys to get in your house. You have keys to turn on your vehicles. You have keys to lock the gate or whatever it is that you have keys for. But keys are very important because what do keys do? They give you access. They allow you to, to step into a place because you have the key to get there, right? You know, if I didn't have my house key, it would be a bummer because I wouldn't be able to get into my house. And my dog, you know, he doesn't have, you know, digits, you know, to be able to unlock the door or whatever. But keys are very important in our daily life. And I believe that in the spirit, in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ, the gift of God that you have in your life is like a key. It helps somebody unlock something in their life either in an area of maturity, either in an area of growth. There's people that have gifts of favor upon their life. There's people, how many of you are good with finances? Raise your hand. Maybe you're not. That's okay. Some people are though. Amen? And that gift that they have in their life to be able to steward finances well, you need in your life. Amen? How many of you have the gift of being joyful and exhorting all the time? Amen? Raise your hand if that's you. It's DJ. I know it's always DJ. DJ's like, DJ has, yes, yeah, Sandra, yep. She's raising her hand like, yes, me, Pastor. Listen, some of, you, some of you have those gifts. I don't have that gift all the time. My face doesn't always have a smile on it. But you know what? When I walk up to another person that has that gift, they have that smile on their face. It helps me put a smile on my face. Amen? 
How many of you know what I'm talking about tonight? And so, listen, the gifts that we have, we are to use to serve one another in love. Amen. This is the most important thing. We are to serve one another in love. In the body of Christ, we are here to serve each other. Amen. I, I always, you know, post it on social media from time to time. And I, and I try to text people from time to time and message them and just say, hey, listen, I'm here to serve you. I am here to serve you. I want you to know, you know, think you might say, well, Pastor Duke, you know, you, you might not be able to help with my situation. Listen, I can pray for it. I can serve you in the body so that you are strengthened for the work, so that you are prepared for that thing that you need to move forward in, so that you can find clarity over a situation in your life. Whatever it is that you need, that's what we're here for. Amen. How many of you are encouraged when a brother and sister in Christ sends you a text message and they say, hey, I'm praying for you? Isn't that encouraging? It's uplifting, man. It speaks life to your soul. It helps you to say, wow, I'm counted I'm cared for, I'm prayed over, I'm thought of. And in the body of Christ, we're here to serve one another in love. And so to quickly recap what we've learned over the past few weeks, I'm not going to go back like verse by verse because, man, I think they covered every single verse of the Bible uh, in the last five weeks. I don't normally teach like that, but that's why they're teachers and I'm a pastor. We're, 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 we're a little different in our gifts but I want to recap a little bit over the past few weeks. And we've realized that once we become renewed by accepting salvation through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit accentuates the gifts that God has given to you. I'll share quickly a personal testimony of mine. When I, when I first got saved, when I first accepted Christ into my life, you know, I, uh, I always had this gift of playing music. You know, I grew up, I was an athlete. You know, my, uh, my family was very involved in sports and things like that. But I had this gift of playing the drums, and it was kind of this weird thing because uh, for the first 15 years of my life, I never knew why I played drums. You see, nobody in my family was a musician. Mom, dad, brothers, nobody in my family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, nobody. I was a first-generation musician. And it was the weirdest thing because I, I grew up, and, and you know, when I couldn't go outside and I couldn't play, I'd go inside and I'd play my drums. And I'll never forget the first, you know, kind of avenue, the first door that the Lord opened for me to serve him in was behind a drum set here in this church. And it was so crazy because after I had given my heart to Jesus, I realized that, hold on a second, God had given me something way in advance before I ever knew it was to be used for him. He had given me something that I never knew was to be used for his honor and for his glory. I just thought I liked to play drums. I just assumed it was something that, you know, it was a hobby of mine or something that I had fun doing. But God had an intended purpose behind it. And so the Holy Spirit, when he enters into your heart and into your life, he's going to reveal things to your life so that you understand what those giftings are for. So that you understand that they have power in the body. They have power in the kingdom. They have power to serve one another in love. Ephesians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, open them up there. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 16. Why do we pray for the word? Holy Spirit, we just thank you tonight. God, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, I thank you, God, for this opportunity to minister your, uh, your word. God, I'm, I'm just excited, God, to, to speak, Lord, tonight. And, and I pray, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would use uh, me, God, as your vessel, Lord. I, 
I yield myself to you, Lord. Just let your word speak, Lord, louder than anything, Lord, tonight. Let it planted, be planted in our hearts, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said amen. 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 All right. Verse 8. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and he gave gifts to his people. Verse 9, it says, what does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. Verse 10, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all of the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in, knowledge, uh, in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here or there by every wind of teaching and by, every, by the cunning and craftiness of the people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And it says, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. It grows and it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So there's a lot of things that we can unpack here tonight. There's, there's so many things that I could, you know, kind of touch on and stuff. And, and I will touch on some of them. And, but in staying with the same theme of the gifts of the Spirit and the function of the body of Christ, we see here that Jesus himself isn't just woven into this plan. He is the plan. He's not just woven into this thing as, as, as a part of it. He is it. He's why we do what we do. Amen? He's why we have purpose. He's why we serve the kingdom. Because a king without a, uh, I'm sorry, a kingdom without a king is dumb, right? So it'd be pretty important to understand that Jesus is in everything and should be in everything that we do. Amen. And so he is the plan, he's the goal, he's the accomplishment, he is who you strive to be like, and he's the one who we must become like. And so we see that Christ gave these gifts to equip the people for works of serving each other, so that at the end result we become mature. We become mature. There's that saying in the book of Ecclesiastes, iron sharpens iron. Amen? Iron sharpens iron. As the body of Christ is formed, as the people have come together collectively, as we come together to, to, to edify one another, there's things that you have in your life that will help strengthen the next person and vice versa. There's things in your life that will help somebody else grow as well. We come together to sharpen one another. We come together that if anybody is misled in the scripture, we can come together to help bring correction to their life. Amen. So that they're not pulled away. So they're not pulled astray by the enemy. Because how many of you know the enemy is doing everything that he can to distort the teachings, to distort the gospel. Amen. He's doing everything that he can to, to get us to believe things about God that aren't actually true. He's doing everything that he can to get us to, to buy into certain ways of thinking that are not even the gospel themselves. 
And so here he's saying, listen, part of the body of Christ, the reason he gave you a gift was to equip each other. What does equipment do? Equipment is given to us so that we can understand that it has a purpose. It's like if I have a shovel, I don't use it to hammer in a nail. Maybe some of you have. Some of y'all look at me like, uh, you know. How many of you have ever used the, the butt end of a screwdriver to, to use as a hammer? I know I've done that when I was too lazy to go out to the shed to grab the hammer. But we understand that we are, have a job in this body. We have a job in the body of Christ to equip one another. That tool that you have, the gift of God that you have in your life is going to help somebody. It's going to help somebody get through a season of life. You will have a word for their life. You will have a counsel for their life. You will have encouragement, exhortation for their life in that moment that they need it. I have to say this because it's, it's, it's so true, but oftentimes the church, now I'm not saying you, but I'm saying you. So when I say the church, I mean you. The body of Christ tends to lean on the pastor to do all the functions of the body. It's like, well, pastor, I think this should be done. And the pastor says, I agree, that could be beneficial to the body. But that's not my gift. That could be your gift. And so what happens is when they lean on the pastor to, to be the counselor, to be the exhorter, to be the teacher, to be the, to be the everything, the one guy gets burnt out and the other people are sitting there just doing nothing, just receiving. I have to get us to understand this point tonight because it's very important. You matter in the kingdom of God. I'll say it one more time. You matter in the kingdom of God. A heart is a pretty significant thing in your body. Lungs are pretty significant in your body. They're known for huge functions. Nobody wants to talk about veins. But veins have an incredibly important part in your body. They're help getting that message <laughs> all the way through the body so that the body can stay alive. And when there is a part of the body, when an individual is not using their gift to equip the saints, what happens is there is a, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like a, a deformity in the body of Christ. There's an ailment, there's something that's lacking, there's something that's missing. And we wonder why, we, we wonder why, you know, maybe the church, you know, has, has struggles or seasons. And, and it's because there's people that are, have a gift to use, but they're just going, they got their arms crossed. The tools that I have in my shed are, are worthless if they're never put to use. Yeah, but I got a nice shed full of tools. <laughs> but they're worthless if they're never used for their intended purpose. Are you following me tonight? And so we understand that Christ has given every one of us a gift to equip the people for works of serving others so that the end result is becoming mature and attaining the fullness of him. So that the, this body that we serve and one another, that we serve one another, it represents the head who is Christ. So the gifts that you have as a part of the body must represent the head. 
The thing that you do for the kingdom, the, the way you serve others, the way that you serve in the body of Christ, the way that you serve in the kingdom outside of the church should always represent the one who gave you the gift. Amen? Because if at the end of the day the gift doesn't represent the giver, then what good is it? I'll say that one more time. If at the end of the day the gift does not represent the giver, then what good is it? I've met people that are so encouraging. They're so just like full of life. But they won't have that difficult conversation with somebody to tell them what the word of God says. So they think that they can just be encouraging and they can literally be enabling that person all the way to hell. <laughs> They're so nice to people. They have that gift of being nice. They have that gift of being just a person that is joyous to look at, a person that's good to converse with. But listen, unless you're using it the way God intended then what happens is you can just be patting somebody on the back all the way to an eternity apart from Christ. The gift must be used in a manner that represents the giver. Always. In the same way, if the body doesn't represent the head, then we are challenged to mature and grow in his likeness and in, and in, and in his fashion. Jesus exemplified this perfectly as he lived, as he walked, as he talked, as he taught, as he showed compassion, he represented his father well. John 12 and 49, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. We've spoke of this verse before, but I love this because it's so important. This shows how Jesus was part of the body as the, as the perceiver, if you will. He only said what his father told him to say. He says, I do not speak on my own. He says, but the father who sent me commanded me to say all that I've spoken. Whew. Who was he representing? His father. What did he say? What his father told him to say. Did he say anything outside of what the father told him to say? No, he did not. So he lived in this manner in a perfect union with the Father, and he showed that this could be lived out as a member of the body of Christ. He showed that this very life that he is wanting you and I to live so that we can see the kingdom of God established in this world here and now, he showed us that this was actually possible. He said, I didn't speak on my own. He said, but the Father who sent me, he commanded me to say all that I have spoken. Jesus said things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus hated evil. He said, my house should be called a house of prayer. He was straightforward in his speech. Teachers of the law, he, he, he called them at one time, they were like whitewashed tombs. You see, Jesus said what needed to be said. He saw the condition of people's hearts and he always would point them to what scripture was teaching and what scripture meant. He would say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
You see, he was ever perceiving and he always knew church. He was connected to his father in such an important and in such a powerful way that it helps us to understand, church, that we have to be connected to him. If Jesus was living in complete surrender to the Father, how much more do we need to be in complete surrender to the Father? Completely. Imagine with me for just a moment how different the church would be if we responded with what the Father wanted to be said instead of what our own opinion was. I'll tell this, this side. Imagine how different the church would be if we responded the way the Father wanted us to speak instead of what our own opinion was. Nowadays, we're full of, everyone say it, opinions. Nowadays, we're full of our own thinking. Nowadays, it's like, oh, well, this is how we do it. This is our tradition. This is the way it's always been done. Well, you see, I think... It doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> Jesus never said, well, I think, Pharisees. No, he said, this is what the Father is telling me to say. They questioned his authority, and they said, where did you get this authority to say that you could heal on the Sabbath, or you could do this or that? And he goes, <laughs> he'd point straight to the one that had given him all things. He would look to the one who had given him everything. And so I believe it's important for us to understand, church, that this is how Christ is calling you and I to live in this time that we're living in. Complete surrender looks like not opening your mouth until he's filled your mouth with words. Complete surrender looks like not reacting until he has given you the right response. How many of you have ever seen somebody stub their toe? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you have ever stubbed your toe? <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> Probably not repeatable in church. Okay? <laughs> Just be honest tonight, right? You know. Somebody that stubs their toe doesn't think about what they're going to say. They just react. Is that true? That's true, man. You, you're walking and then you go... And, and I guarantee you're not like, oh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, you know you're, you're, you probably have other things in your mind in that moment. And you react according to your pain, right? Because in the moment, your flesh hurts, so the immediate response is crying, shouting, yelling, hopefully not saying a bad word, but possibly saying a bad word. And this is reactionary speaking. Reactionary speaking comes from the flesh. When Jesus was being crucified, he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He looked at the people that were casting lots for his clothes and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they've done. I can imagine those would probably not be the things on my mind as I was hanging from a cross. That's just the truth. 
I would probably be trying to get off the cross because it was painful and it hurt. And the devil always wants a reaction out of you because reactions most often are from the flesh and not the spirit. Amen? And so when trying to get a reaction out of Christ after a 40-day fast, Jesus said, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so Christ shows us here that he didn't live in reaction to the enemy, but instead he lived in response to the Father's voice. And I have to ask this question, as a member of this body, as a member of the body of Christ, do our words, our responses, and our reactions represent Christ well? See, we can say we're a part of the body, but are we living like the head? We can say that we're a part of the body, but are we representing Jesus. Are our words timely and are they in step with the Spirit? You see, if what Christ modeled for us was what it looked like to live in complete surrender to the Father, then we too can live this way as well. And this happens only when you are in communion with the Lord. This happens only when you have taken your time to sit at the feet of Jesus. To sit there and to listen. To pray. To read His Word. To know His Word. To have communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? To have a lifestyle of worship that when everything that you do, you are singing psalms and spiritual songs and you, you have a lifestyle of gratitude, of thankfulness to God. You become like the one that you hang around with. You become like the people that you associate with. Remember when Peter denied Jesus three times? When he denied Jesus three times on that night uh, when Jesus was, was taken into captivity, they asked him three separate times. They said, weren't you with Jesus? I'm pretty sure we saw you with him. No, 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 I'm pretty sure we saw you. You were out there passing out the baskets of, of fish and bread. We saw you on the boat with him. We saw you. Jesus was, Peter was with Jesus, and so people had identified that he had been with Jesus. People knew that he had been with Jesus. There was no denying that he had a relationship with Jesus. Because they, they, they saw him there. They knew of his actions. They knew that he was like Jesus. You become like those that you are joined to. I love that scripture in the book of Acts. I believe it's Acts uh, chapter 4. Don't quote me on it, but I'll, I'll find it for you real quick. I love this verse. It talks here. And it says about how. They were taken into captivity and that they recognized that they were not, they recognized rather that they were ordinary men who had been with Jesus. And what's verse 13, I'm sorry, Acts 4, 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see, there's no faking being with Jesus. You have to be with Jesus to live like Jesus. Amen? It's not something that you just come up with. It's not something that it's like, well, I, I attended church today, so therefore I'm like Jesus. No, listen, even the devil attends church. 
I don't know what chair he sits in or whatever, but you know, I mean, he probably attends church at some point. How do you know? Remember uh, the sons of Sceva? They're over here trying to cast out demons and all that. And he says, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? Who are you? You see, and unless we're connected to the vine, we'll never be like the vine. We'll never represent the vine. We'll never represent the things that Jesus has and the things that Jesus wants us to represent. You become like the one that you are joined to. And so apart from him, church, we can do absolutely nothing. We have to be connected to Jesus. We can do a lot of things in church, a lot of things in ministry, a lot of things uh, serving our community and this and that and the other. But if at the end of the day, people haven't identified Jesus in all of it, then what was it worth? What was it actually for? I love Matthew chapter 5. I believe it's verse 16. It says, therefore, let your... Light shine before all men. Is, am I right? Is it Matthew 5.16? Somebody look it up for me. Matthew, Matthew 5.16, it says, Therefore let your light shine before all men, that they may see your good deeds, and that they may praise your Father in heaven. Was I right? Oh, there it is. Yes. I got one right. <laughs> what's, the, what's the connection? That you're doing what Jesus did. And at the end of the day, they understand that it was from, from God. It wasn't just a random act of kindness. It wasn't just a good deed in, in, in a matter or in a means of good deeds. Now, I, I realize that it says that they see your good deeds, but he's talking about the light of Christ shining in you and through you. It's not just a good deed. It's not like, oh, I handed a guy a glass of water because it was hot outside. No, it, it, it's something that, that people were able to identify that the, that the Christ that you say you serve is actually living through you. Does that make sense? Amen? And so we see that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. One of the most humbling acts ever recorded in the Bible, it came during a great time of pain and betrayal for Jesus. Now, I'm going to talk about him just for a second in, in that server role that we were uh, learning about over the past couple weeks. How many of you have ever been betrayed by somebody? <laughs> Raise your hand. It's okay. Tell the truth in church. How many of you have ever been betrayed by somebody? I'm talking about not, not just like, you know, a little bit of, you know, you know, whatever. I'm talking about you've been betrayed. They spread lies on you. They spread rumors about you. You know what I'm talking about? Amen. They said something that wasn't true. They turned somebody against you. They, they made up some lie about you. Betrayal hurts. Amen. Man, betrayal stings. Betrayal actually causes some people to fall away from Christ. Sometimes we feel like God betrays us. Lord, I prayed for this, God. I was trusting you in this way, Lord. I, I prayed that prayer. I agreed with the elders, God. I had people lay hands on me, God. It didn't come through, Lord. What, what's up, God? And they almost feel as if God had abandoned them. 
Betrayal. It's a, it's a tough, crazy thing to deal with. But one of the greatest humbling acts in the Bible came from a time of great pain and betrayal. Christ, that was in his final moments before being taken captive and crucified, he knew that the devil had stirred the heart of Judas to betray him. And in the Gospel of John chapter 13, we find this story. And at the end of verse 1, I want to touch on that just for a second. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. If this isn't a picture of what unconditional love looks like, I don't know what is. Because it was in verse 5, just a moment later, that Jesus would take out a wash tub and a basin of water. And he would wrap a towel around his waist. And he would tell all 12 disciples, not 11, he wasn't going to exclude the one that betrayed him, because he knew he had betrayed him. But he told all 12 to sit down and Jesus began to wash their feet. Christ being fully aware, fully knowing what had been done. Knowing that Jesus had sold him out, he gets up from the table and he washes their feet. When was the last time that we humbled ourselves to serve our enemy? When was the last time that we humbled ourselves to serve somebody knowingly that had betrayed us? When was the last time that we actually acted in humility and we set our feelings aside, we set our emotions aside? Said, hold on a second, I could easily say this. I could easily do that. I could easily react this way. I could do these things. But instead, what did he do? He set all of those things aside and he did what the Father told him to do. That's what service looks like. That's what loving one another looks like. That's what unconditional love looks like. He wasn't going to deny Judas the opportunity to have his feet washed in an act of humility, knowing what he was going to do and knowing what he had already paid to be done. Knowing someone in ministry talked bad about you, they judged your motives, they assumed something about your life. <laughs> did you wash their feet or did you walk the other way? I've seen people sit at opposite ends of the church because of a conflict. And what's funny is like, you know, people sometimes think that, you know, we don't know, we know. All right? I'm just going to tell you that's one of the awesome things about being a pastor. We know. You might not think we know. Pastor, pastor Soto, my father-in-law, has an amazing poker face. <laughs> Some of the things, the things that man knows, and yet he still says, hey, God bless you. How are you doing? Love you. Good to see you. It's not fake. It's unconditional love. <laughs> I've seen people have conflict in the church, and they'll sit at opposite ends of the church going, I love you, Jesus. Hey, Jesus. 
I am a child of God. You know, and we're over here, you know, hating on our brother and sister, but, you know, ah. Man. Don't make eye contact. They're walking down the hall, and all of a sudden, you got to go in the opposite direction. Oh, my God, what was I looking for? You know, like, <laughs> don't shake their hand. Hmm. Philippians 2.8, I better keep going. Philippians 2.8, in being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I have to say this because I believe it's important for us to understand and know. Some of us need to have our flesh crucified with Christ. Amen, Pastor Duke. That was a good point. Jesus didn't avoid the cross because it was painful. Think about this. He didn't avoid the cross because it was painful. In humility, he embraced the cross because it was the Father's will. He hung on to it because he knew it's what he was commanded to do. And I have to say this, church. We have to do and live in obedience to what he has said for us to do. Despite all the reasons why you could think and you could justify not doing something... Who would you rather be right with? Feel like you want an argument or be right with God? Jesus said, don't fear man. He says, fear God. He said, man can do you know, whatever man wants to do. He said, but fear God who can send both your body and your soul into hell. We have the responsibility to serve one another in love the way that Jesus served us. I've had this constant, you know, conviction and just, you know, as the Lord has matured me as a parent, as a dad, my role as a father in the household, I've had this constant conviction that I have to be careful with what I say to my children. I have to be careful how I respond. I have to be careful how I teach them. I have to, I'm always mindful of how he loves me. I'm always mindful how he is gracious to me. I'm always mindful how he doesn't. <laughs> God has a big hand. <laughs> man, I bet it would hurt, man, if God was like, you know. <laughs> Christ didn't avoid the cross because it was painful. It would be the very act of love that would baffle the minds of every theologian and it would wreck the principalities of darkness. You see, when you live to serve others above yourself, it proves that the love of God is in you. Jesus himself said in John 13 and 35, he said, the world will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. See, I know that we've been talking about, you know, who we are in the body and the gifts that we have in the body. But listen, we can't, we can't overstep the things that are, that are elementary and that are foundational in our faith. Loving one another is one of those things. It is a pillar of our faith. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I believe it's verse 8, he says... If you have everything but you have not love, what is it? It's nothing, it's meaningless. 
You could have the spiritual gifts. You could have discernment. You could have the gift of speaking in tongues. You could have the gift of, of doing whatever you do in the kingdom. But if you have not love, it's pointless. Philippians 1 and, 2, uh, 1 and 21 rather says this, for, me, uh, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'll read it one more time. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Matthew 20 and verse 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There's a saying that says this, that if you're, if you're uh, too big to serve, you're too small to lead. If you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. Christ himself uh, uttered these words. He said, the least shall be the greatest. Amen? The least among you shall be the greatest. What was he pointing to? He was pointing to serving one another. He was pointing to the fact that we're to put each other's needs above our own. Man, that's what a life of service looks like. How many times do you think Jesus was like, you know what? We could just shut this down, disciples. You know, I'm tired. I want to go home. I want to get some rest. Let's get off the boat, guys. And, and he said, no, we're not going to do that. He said, Lord, we haven't even, you know, eaten. He's like, there's a boy's lunch. What are we going to do with that? Pass it out. The multitudes of people were standing there waiting for him to do something. And he never left them. He continued to serve them. He continued to show that he was giving his life. And I love the second half of that verse. To give his life as a ransom for many. You see, serving others points to the payment that was made on our behalf. I'll say that one more time. Serving others points to the payment that was made on our behalf and to the love of God in us. And when that love is seen, the Bible says it covers a multitude of sins. Sometimes, church, it is tough serving each other because somebody's attitude or actions will make it difficult. But I want to go back to the end of that verse. He gave his life as a ransom for many. He paid a penalty that you yourself could not afford. Everybody open your wallet, and there's a lot of things that you can't afford in this life. I open my wallet, and I go, oof. <laughs> It's like, I want to go somewhere. I want to do something or whatever. I go, oh. Maybe next year. And the penalty that my sins deserved, he paid for. It's like, wait, hold on a second. The, the tab that I owed, he took care of. The very thing that I owe God, but I have no way to make payment for, Jesus said, I'm going to pay that for you. I will become the ransom for many. Colossians 3 and 23 says this. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. Everyone say the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. You see, when I remember it's the Lord that I'm serving, that I'm positioned for the reward that he wants to give me. Let's read the next verse. Colossians 3 and 24. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Sometimes in this life, 
You might have a neighbor. You might have a family member. You might have a peer. You might have a coworker, somebody in your life. And listen, God is wanting you to represent him well. God is wanting you to represent the head that you say that you serve. He's wanting you to represent Jesus well. And listen, in those moments where it's difficult to serve that person, we still have to serve them. Jesus didn't back down from the assignment to serve you and I. We don't have the luxury to back down from the assignment either. We don't have the luxury to back down from serving one another in love in these days that we are living in because how else will they know unless we serve them? How else will they know unless they see the extension of the hands of Christ in their life? As challenging as it can be, there awaits for us a reward greater than all of our struggles. Amen? How else can we see the Spirit and the gift of God at work at Christ? I want us to touch on one last thing before we close tonight. He was a teacher. That is, he taught others truth. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountainside and he sat down and his disciples, they came to him and he began to teach them. Something that you will learn as you serve Christ is he will teach you. The one thing that I love about the way that Jesus kind of installed all the disciples was he said, hey, you know, come follow me. The Bible says that once they left their nets and they followed him, right? They began to follow him. And in those moments of having, being completely clueless about the kingdom, being completely clueless about just the, God's destiny and plan for Christ, they, they knew that there was something in this one and they knew that they must follow him. So they began to follow him. And in the process of following him, wherever he went, they learned and they were taught. Jesus, you know, had fish fries and, you know, he was out by... In the process of his disciples following him, he taught. And it's important for us to never realize, church, that we must sit at the feet of Jesus in our service to the Lord. If you do not sit at his feet, then you're not equipped to serve. There's a saying that says, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Now, I'd like to suggest that while there is truth to that, it's incomplete. Because Jesus taught that those who have ears, let them hear. In Romans 10, the scripture says, how can they hear unless somebody is preaching to them? So that means that we don't just follow Jesus in action, but we have to speak and we have to say what he fills our mouth and with our heart with. John 14 and 11, he went as far as saying this. He says, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Christ's example shows the Father's love by praying for the sick and seeing the miracles of healing and power. But he always made it an emphasis to teach. He could have said nothing and just walked around doing miracles, but he said, no, I am going to say what the Father tells me to say. Sometimes our faith looks like us just simply believing and just receiving it into our life, but we have nothing to say. And your faith would be incomplete if you have nothing to say. The eternity of somebody right now is hanging in the balance unless we preach the gospel. I'll say that one more time. The eternity of an individual, a soul, a person that you know and love is in the balance as we speak unless we open our mouth to share the gospel. And we have to understand this, church. We ourselves do not save anybody. 
but we must be obedient to the one who has called us to do this work, to do the work of teaching others about Jesus, to show them about the Father, to show them what it means to live as a child of God, to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn from him. I love what John 14 and 26 says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will teach you all things. When you open up the scripture, it's such a powerful thing that when you open up the scripture and you just see the pages jump out to you, it's because the Holy Spirit is teaching you. The Holy Spirit is revealing some truth. He's he's giving you something that you need in that moment. And he will teach you. But what is the most important thing to do with the information that you have and the knowledge that you have? Share it. If we do not share it, what is it worth? If I say I love Jesus, but I tell nobody about him, then do I really love him? Matthew 7 and 28 says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. How many of you are amazed when you open the scripture and the Lord just, he just teaches you. You say, man, Lord, I needed this today. God, I needed that in my life. God, I needed that truth. I needed, Lord, just that, that nourishment that I'm getting from your word. He is the best teacher. Amen. He said he is the best teacher to have. Christ is the perfect teacher and the lessons and the teachings that he gave us must be learned and obeyed in order for us to mature in his likeness and to carry out his authority. Matthew 28 and 18 says this, then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, we are equipped to teach others as we have already learned from him ourselves. Amen? As I ask you to stand this, this evening, I want us to never lose sight of who Christ should be, and in, in that, that is that he is the focus of everything that we say and that we do. Amen? I'll say that one more time. I want us to never lose sight of Christ Because he is the focus of everything that we say and that we do. If you are serving others without first yielding to him, then you're just giving them your talent. But if you are serving others as you are yielded to him, if you're serving others in a manner where you have sold out your life to this one who gave everything for you, The beauty of when that happens is that the body of Christ becomes complete. They become mature. We all grow in our knowledge of who he is. We all grow closer and closer towards him. We all begin to represent him well. People in this world will actually see and know that there is a God in heaven because they see him through you. And the very thing that Jesus said, he said, and even greater things shall you do in my name because I am going to the Father. You see, there's going to be a great representation of Jesus when we have learned to sit at his feet. When we have learned to sit before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When we have humbled ourselves to say, God, I am here. 
I am here, Lord, for you. I am here to follow you, God. I am here to serve you. And the best way that we can serve one another is by sitting at his feet. I say this in regret because there's been times in my life, church, where I wasn't in the word. I wasn't praying like I was supposed to. I wasn't communing with God like I needed to be. And I'd have somebody come to me in that moment. And I know they needed a word. I know they needed advice. I know they needed, they, they needed something. And, and in that moment, I felt unprepared. I said, oh, I don't have what they need. <laughs> and I believe God would allow me to experience those moments to understand that my, my lampstand had to be full. To understand that that oil from heaven had to be just filling in, in my life every single day. You will encounter somebody that is going to need a drink from the well. And if you don't know how to tap into the well in the middle of their desert, they're going to walk away parched. They're going to walk away without receiving the love of Jesus. They're going to need that. And I want you and I, church, I want you and I to be so full of the Holy Ghost, so full of the Word of God, so full of the presence of God himself, church. That we could be like Stephen. The Bible says that his face, it radiated the glory of God. A lot of people are doubting God right now. But I pray that they would encounter a believer that is surrendered to him, that they would say, whoa. I just met Jesus through that person. I just met Jesus because I could see him on their life. I could see his power. I could see his glory in their life. I could see what he is and, and how he loves us and how he died and gave his life for us. We need to represent the head because we are the body. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.